as we honor the films and honor the music that that the that the African American community has given us and as we reflect on a bunch of things this evening. Are you excited? Yes, I am. I we got some good flicks to talk about, folks, don't we? Heck yeah, we do. Heck yeah, we do. So all right. Well, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are starting off by talking about the first of some films of that we want to talk about with you guys tonight. And the first ones we want to share with you guys are the following. Hold on. Uh, where's my thing? Ah, hold on. We got off the rocky start today. Hold on. There you go. So, Bill, what film do you want to start with tonight? Um, film on that list or the film I had in mind? What film did you have in mind? Um, I'm actually going to start with a film called... Um, we're going to first go into the work of Mr. Spike Lee. And we're going to start with Malcolm X. Ooh, good one. If I could spell it right. Malcolm X movie. Yeah. Do right tell. Now. Okay. This movie is the was made by Spike Lee in 1992. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the biopic of Malcolm X. I've watched a bunch of clips from it. I've never really sat down and watched the whole thing. It's like three and a half hours long. Yeah. And Denzel Washington plays Malcolm X. And the movie does really a good job showing, you know, what caused him to transform. Because I don't know if you knew this, JT. X was not his real last name. Really? What was it? Little. Oh, interesting. Okay. He changed it to X because because Little was his name that was given to him by his father, given to him by his grandfather, given to him by his great-grandfather that was given to him by a white man. Interesting. Okay. In other words, X uh, Little was his slave name. So, and then, you know, it turns out how when he converted to Islam... And starts adapt and joins the nation of Islam and starts adapting these beliefs. Yep. And if you see, um, if anyone knows anything about Malcolm X, um, his views in the first couple years were very radical. Mm-hmm. Because he, and he was actually very critical of Martin Luther King. Really? That's interesting. Because Martin Luther King was civil disobedience, nonviolence, let's hold hands and sing, we shall overcome. Well, Malcolm was like, screw that. You want to get where we want to, you got to fight. Right. And, And he used to be way more radical. But then there is a scene, like he used to be basically anti-white, but then because there's three scenes I want to, I want to talk about one and this is actually a scene that was depicted right from his autobiography. Okay. Um, he's, he was speaking at a college in Boston, and this white girl comes up to him and goes, Mr. X, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm not what my ancestors did. What, what can I do to help the, your cause? And he goes, nothing. And he actually said in his bio 
he actually said in his biopic, in his autobiography, that he actually did feel bad for, for saying that. Because, but then when later on he went to, he, he went to Mecca, you know, he went to the Hajj. Yeah. And he saw that he was praying and drinking cups with white people. And that's when his views started to soften a little bit. Right. And, and he runs into another woman at a hotel and this hotel, this is her words, directly her words. Yeah. Says, what can I as a white person do to help the Negro cause? And she said, and he said, well, it starts in the home and you, we got to build the community together to fight racism. And if you're a good person, which I know you are, that's how we can defeat racism. And it shows that his views have, that his views had softened over the years. And if anybody knows his, the history, we all, he leaves the nation of Islam. Elijah Muhammad is not exactly thrilled and he gets assassinated. Mm. And at the end, they're, they're actually showing him talking to school, talking to school children. Our teacher talked to us as we celebrate Malcolm X's birthday. And all the students saying, I'm Malcolm X. I'm Malcolm X. And there's actually, at the end, the real Nelson Mandela. I shit you not. They got him, which I which kind of made me scratch my head a little bit because yeah. Mandela's teachings were more in alignment with Martin Luther King than they were with Malcolm X. Right. But like he's quoting Malcolm X, and there's like the quote going, We must do it, and then the video of Malcolm X saying, by any means necessary. Like I read somewhere that they actually wanted to that they actually wanted to have Nelson Mandela say that line, but I also read somewhere that they were kind of a little iffy at this point because he had just gotten out of prison while they right. were filming, so they cut it to the actual quote of of um, Martin Luther King of um, of Nelson Mandela saying that Malcolm X quote. Interesting. Okay. And yeah, and I think it's really from what I've seen of it, it is a really good deep dive into who Malcolm X was. And it's also based off of the, and like I said, it's also based off his autobiography. So maybe a good chunk of it's true. Who knows? Could be, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying because you know films take artistic liberties. Plug for Some, our in, yeah. historically inaccurate movies if you want more detail on historical <laughs> inaccuracy. But yeah, yeah Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm X. Okay, you know what? We're actually, I'm going to, I have another Spike Lee movie in mind. What do you got, Bill? And this is a more recent one. And this is a movie called Black Klansman. Go on, talk to me. And you want to know what the irony is? What? Made by Spike Lee, how I just talked about um, how Denzel Washington was in Malcolm X. That gentleman right there, that's John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son. 
Oh, how funny is that? Yeah, so it's his second time working with so so this is so yeah, so Mr. Lee has worked with both Mr. Washingtons. So this movie is about the true story of Ron Stallworth, played by John David Washington. Played by John David Washington. Um the film he has just become a cop in Colorado Springs, Colorado, him being the first African-American cop in the city of Colorado Springs. And wow. he, he infiltrates, he, um, he tries to um, infiltrate the um, Ku Klux Klan in which their leader, who was played by their leader, David Duke, who was played by Topher Grace. Yeah, non-venom Topher Grace, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and the film is Stalworth's partner, Flip, who was played by Adam Driver. Yes, Kylo Ren. Damn, this is like Nerd Kylo Central. Ren. You got Venom, you got Kylo Ren. Yeah, who would have thought? You got Venom, you got Kylo. Who else? So, John David Washington. So, no, Ron Stallworth. So, Ron Stallworth calls the, calls the, um, calls David Duke and disguises to be a, disguises to be a white person so he has Adam Driver go in his place and they go to this clans meetings and he's about to be inducted into and Adam Driver's character is about to be inducted as a member of the KKK under John David Washington's character's name and and I think it kind of has like that 70s feel and by the way, this is based on a true story. Um, it has sort of like that 70s feel, and it's sort of like a tribute to the black black exploitation films of the 1970s. And and you and what I really like about this movie is the acting's really good. And plus, I like how they dig into the different philosophies, like for instance, um, Ron's girlfriend in the film, Patrice, she's going more into the, she's going more into the Black Power movement, and while, while, Ron Stallworth is taking the more Martin Luther King approach as wants to assimilate among, among white people, because he always wanted to be a cop. And and you could see like the two worlds there, and it's really it's really interesting. Then you have on the other side of the coin, you have um you have David Duke played by Topher Grace, and this guy named Felix, and you know you kind of have the same thing there. Topher Grace is David Duke is trying to make the clan more mainstream. Yeah, and you know what? Just a quick side note. David Duke said that this film was out to make him look bad. I'm like, dude, you're the freaking leader of the Ku Klux Klan. 
we can make a movie about you saving puppies and people will still think you're a horrible human being. It's true. But anyway, but and then there's this guy, Felix, who's just a total sociopath. Who is just a total sociopath and actually wants to wipe off and actually tries planting a bomb to kill all the to kill all the African Americans because there's this scene when Adam Driver's character is being inducted into the Ku Klux Klan and John David Washington's character is trying to save his girlfriend because she's at this event with this guest speaker who's actually played by Harry Belafonte by the way the guest speaker. Oh, good that really? Yeah. And and Felix is trying to basically blow off a bomb to kill all of them. And but and then um everything get they get and then they get caught. Felix ends up dying and there's also this um there's also this scene when I really love this scene to death. It's they're at Earlier in the movie, Patrice, Ron Stallworth's girlfriend, was at this event for Stokey Carmichael, who used to be the head of the Nonviolent Student Association, and changed his name to Brother Kwame. Because this was around the time, like, you know, you had the civil rights movement that, with, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. And then they had them move into the point where a lot of them gave up their like more anglinized 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 i don't know how i'm anglicanized i probably butchered that word names in favor of more african name african names and there's actually this there is this scene and when she gets pulled over by one of ron's fellow cops and like i know you pulled her over you, what are you going to do about it? And then there's a scene when Ron's out with Patrice, his girlfriend, and Flip, who is Ron, who is Adam Driver's character. They're out drinking. And then the, the cop came, starts hitting on Patrice. And this is, don't you remember that night? Go, listen here. Nobody cares what you say. I've been putting a cap in your, in your people's asses in this town for decades, and nobody will give a shit about it. So what are you going to do about it? And then... And then Ron goes, Patrice, did you hear that? He goes, I did hear that. Ron, did you hear that? He goes, I did hear that. And he goes, hey, Jim, did you hear that? He goes, oh, I heard that. Hey, Flip, did you hear it? Oh, I heard it. Hey, Sarge, did you hear that? He goes, oh, I heard it. And he comes over to the cop and goes, you're under arrest. And it's just so satisfying. <laughs> and I remember when I saw that in theaters, that that, that scene actually garnished applause. And... And... <laughs> I have to say, in we, I went to um, yeah, because I saw this in theaters, and I said this last year. I think when we talked about endings, the yeah. end of this movie, and I have to reiterate this. I'm sorry, but the end of this movie, you could hear a pin drop because this movie was released on the week of on the weekend of the anniversary of the Charlottesville riot. Mm. And 
they were showing images from Charlottesville, like what, like of all of that happening, of David Duke talking, of when, I'm not trying to get political, I'm just telling you what was in it, of Trump saying that they were very fine people, and and the film was dedicated to Heather Heyer, the young lady who unfortunately was killed. Uh-huh. And the film has a flag. It ends with a giant flag and it just fades into black and white. And, wow. and then the spiritual and then the cover of Prince singing the old spiritual Mary, don't you weep. Like, and I think in that film and Spike Lee's side, and I've talked about this before, again, go back to like Malcolm X for one second. In the beginning, you hear Malcolm X's speech being played over what happened to Rodney King in the 90s, which is the events that eventually led to the L.A. riots. And here, and I think the event that they are showing here, and like this is like the criticism that movies like Green Book got criticized for because they show that the two main characters, one black, one white, are became friends and, it, and that's your, oh, look, racism's done. But I think the film here, even though the film takes place in the past, I think Spike Lee was trying to drive the point home. Racism is still alive today. It's still around. It hasn't gone away. And, and like, because like I told you, when I saw this movie and the film was over, you could hear a pin drop. It was that, it was like dead quiet. It was absolutely dead quiet. And, wow. and Spike, like these are the only two Spike Lee movies I've really even seen. But this, it, it, yeah, I haven't seen Do the Right Thing. Go ahead, hate me for it. Um, but yeah, these are, yeah, these movies really do speak to, to all this. Okay, now moving on to a somewhat lighter tone. <laughs> Which one? Um, and this is in dedication to the late great Chadwick Boseman, 42. Great movie. As you all know, I am a big sports guy. Oh, yeah. And I have a podcast, which I totally am not going to shamelessly plug. Sports Insanity Podcast. Check us out. We're on all platforms. But you, you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. You all knew that was coming, folks. Not that I took this moment to honor the film that honors the life of the great Jackie Robinson as an excuse to shamelessly promote my podcast. Okay, I kind of did that, but but moving on, moving right along. Yep. This movie, very self-explanatory, tells the story of Jackie Robinson. And it tell Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, Wakanda forever, rest in peace, Chadwick, we miss you. Um, Chadwick Bo- Jackie Robinson is played by Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, this is basically a, just you know, a biopic of Jackie Robinson and, and 
Blanche Rickey, who is the Dodgers general manager, is played by your boy Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones himself. Hell yeah. And like, you know, it's getting to the part where it's getting to the scene where um where Blanche Rickey wants to have the first, again, words from the film, the first Negro ball player. And that being Jackie Robinson. One of my favorite scenes is like in the beginning when Blanche Ricky is talking to Jackie Robinson and he's like telling him all this. He said, he said, will you be able to handle all the insults? Will you be able to handle when they say, when, when they, when they won't be, when they won't let you stay in a hotel room? Hotel, will you, as the rest of the team, will you be able to handle if they won't let you eat at a restaurant, but the rest of the team's eating at. And he goes, so you basically want someone who doesn't have the guts to fight back. And then this is probably one of my favorite quotes of all time. He goes, Ron, I want someone who has the guts not to fight back. And, and when they show him at like spring training, I, I love this part is that you got to answer these questions. You've got to answer these questions, you know, directly. And you've got to answer them classy. And he goes, what if one of these pitchers throw a ball at your head? And he goes, I'll duck. And then, and then one of my, and then, um, and then, and they go, is this about politics? Or it's about getting paid. And then, oh, about getting paid. What a disgrace is that? And like, here's a true, and here's a true part. The Brooklyn Dodgers, when they heard Jackie Robinson was coming, a lot of them signed a petition to have him not play, say, we will not play on the same field as him. You've seen the movie, right, JT? I have to get on it. <laughs> No, they basically said, they basically, they basically said, we will not let Jackie Robinson play baseball with us. And they signed a petition. Yeah. And it's crazy. And Pee Wee Reese, the gentleman who has his arm over Jackie right there, he says, well, no, I'm not going to sign it. Going, what if he gets your position? He goes, then the better man got the position. And, you know, it really shows, like, there are two scenes that really just make me tug at the heartstrings. One, he's playing in Philly. And the Phillies manager, Ben Chapman, that guy right there. Okay, Ben Chapman was not exactly a good person. He was a racist SOB. Like when Jackie Robinson came to bat, he was yelling, N-word, N-word, N-word. And then, and he was like, you like, hey, you like white women? Which one of you Dodgers wives is he sleeping with? These are direct words from the film. Uh, And then he's like going... And Jackie Robinson telling the umpire to wake up. Hold on, he needs to take a nap. It's like, what's wrong? 
He said, you don't belong here. Go back to the cotton fields. And Jackie Robinson runs into the runs into the dugout. And his wife's like, baby, just look at me. Just look at me. He runs into that tunnel when there's nobody there, takes a bat. Okay, this didn't really happen. This was dramatized. And just smashes up against the smashes it against the wall because he's so angry. And Blanche Ricky comes to comfort him, will console him and say, You can hit, you can get on base, you can score some goddamn runs. He said, you're going to do it? I need another bat. Got it. And he gets back and he gets a hit. And one of Jackie's teammates goes over to Ben Chapman and goes, what's wrong with you, you effing disgrace? You know he can't fight back. He said, you better keep your mouth shut. And then, and then he goes, hey, how's it feel to be an N-word's N-word? And then he said, I don't know. How's it feel to be a redneck piece of shit? And like the next game with Ben Chapman, this is all actually true. Chapman was actually getting bad press. And the Phillies owner basically told him, he goes, I'm trying to save baseball. Going, you need to try to make us look better. We have a problem. You're going to solve this problem and we're done talking about it. So the Dodgers go to Philly. And they tell, and they tell Jackie Robinson, "Hey, uh, Ben Chapman wants to get a picture with you." And he goes, "He goes. He wants to show that he's changed." He goes, "He does. He he didn't change. He wants to just. He's doing it for a publicity stunt." So he goes on the field. He goes, "No, because you want to take it to that guy." He goes, "No, we're going to do it on the field so everyone can see it." So he goes and Ben Chapman says, oh, I wish Jackie the best. He goes, come on, let's take this picture. So uh, do you guys want to shake hands? He goes, no. And Jackie Robinson goes, let's just hold this bat so I don't have to touch him. And the most heart-tugging scene in the movie is the Pee Wee Reese, who was Jackie Robinson's teammate, who was one of the only people at first who actually respected him, respected Jackie. They were going to play in Ohio and Pee Wee Reese is from Kentucky and Kentucky and Ohio are sort of next to each other. And and he said, uh, and he goes to Blanche Ricky, he goes, Blanche, I'm a little concerned. I've been getting these, I got this hate mail. I got this letter. And it was calling him a carpetbagger and an N-word lover and all that. And I, what I love about this scene is Blanche rookie, Ricky just puts everything in perspective. And he pulls out bags of letters. But what's this? Well, it's not from the Jackie Robinson fan club. And it's all these words saying, like, call him an N-word, saying, we're going to kill your baby boy. We're going to kill your family. And he said, listen. You think you have it rough? Think about what Jackie's going through. Don't sit here and cry to me because somebody calls you a carpet batter when Jackie has to fear for his life. Yep. And the scene when they're on the when they're at in Cincinnati, and and Jackie Robinson comes on the field and people in the crowd are shouting, Edward! Edward! Get out of here! 
and there's a scene when Pete and there's part Pee Wee Reese comes and puts his arm around Jackie Robinson. And they're just chatting and the crowd just stops. And the uncle goes, hey, we're going to chat or we're going to play ball? Play ball. Yeah, so this, and also I just realized this today, actually. This, is, this year is actually the 75th anniversary of when Jackie Robinson broke baseball's color barrier. Oh, God, really? Yeah. April 15th, it'll be the 75-year anniversary. Wow. And I think this is probably, not in just sports either, but just in the civil rights movement, this happened before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus. Yep. Before Martin Luther King had a dream. This yep. happened before Jackie Robinson breaking baseball's color barrier happened before Rosa Parks refused to give her seat on the bus. Before MLK had a dream. And and on yeah, and you know, it's just this film just really made me tear up because this was a man who really opened doors not just for the, you know, for the African-American community, but also for other groups in baseball, like Blanche Rickey was the one who found Jackie Robinson, who actually literally found, who originally eventually picked up Roberto Clemente, that opened, that, who was the first Latino player in baseball. Right. And... Jackie Robinson said at Blanche Rickey's funeral, the only person who did more for black folks than Blanche Rickey was Abraham Lincoln. True. So Jackie Robinson compared Blanche Rickey to Abraham Lincoln. And and this film, I'll be honest, I cried a few times because it really shows you what the struggle he went through. Yeah. Okay, my next one. And this is my last one. I don't know. Um, my next one is... And this is a movie that just got released last year. It's called Judas and the Black Messiah. I, I, I've never heard of it. So you're on your own on this one. Oh, no, I, I remember it. I don't remember anything about it, though. Yeah, I've only watched it once, so this is going to be a very quick... Judas and the Black Messiah tells the story of the um, FBI agent who is sent to infiltrate the Black Panthers. And that's their leader right there, the Black Panthers leader. I- I'm sorry, folks, I can't remember his name right now. I deeply apologize. All good, and buddy, all good. Because, you know what, I'm going to look this up right now. Um Yay, Google. Yay, Google. Fred Hampton. Okay, Fred Hampton was the name of the... um, Fred Hampton was the chairman of the Black Panthers, and Bill O'Neill was an FBI informant who was sent by J. Edgar Hoover to infiltrate the FBI. I mean, to infiltrate the Black Panthers. Interesting. Okay. And and what happened was and 
you know, he's like interested in joining and he's telling him like all the programs that they did, like the free breakfast for children. And, and all the other, but there's only, and, and Hampton goes to prison for stealing $71 worth of ice cream. And then he tries to appeal his charges. And then J. Edgar Hoover, who's played by Martin Sheen, goes, I basically want, I want Fred Hampton neutralized before he goes back to prison. Basically, he wants him, he wants him offed. Gotcha. And, 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 um, you know, come to think about it, this, it kind of takes the, it's kind of a form of the, of the passion, once you think about it, the story of Christ's crucifixion. Because yeah. when you think about it, Fred Hampton is Jesus. Bill O'Neill is, is Judas and Martin Sheen is Caiaphas and Jagger Hoover is Caiaphas. And he basically wants Bill O'Neill to portray Fred Hampton, and Fred Hampton does end up getting killed. And and also I'm and also Bill O'Neill. Um his role and yeah, so Fred Hampton was killed in 1968. Bill O'Neill, who was the FBI agent who infiltrated everything. He was, oh, and also another thing comparing it to the passion story, um, Bill O'Neill is arrested in 1968 after arresting a car and while posing as a federal officer and he's approached and he is approached by the FBI who offers to have O'Neill's charges dropped if he works undercover. So that's basically the 20 pieces of silver, basically the 20 pieces of silver that Caiaphas promises Judas if he betrays Jesus. And yeah, a lot of biblical analogies here. But anyway, what happened to Bill O'Neill? He was in the Federal Witness Protection Program. He was... He was in the Federal Witness Protection Program after his role was revealed in 1973. Uh, Hampton was killed in 69, not 68. My apologies. Um, You're good. And he was in... He was in the reveal for 11 years. And then in in 1984, he secretly returned to Chicago... And then in 1989, he was interviewed for a documentary about everything because they do show parts of the interview. But sadly, he didn't get to see it because Bill O'Neill killed himself on January 15th, 1990. And the episode aired a month after his death. So, yeah, I remember watching it. It was a really intense 
it was a really intense film. And Daniel, I hope I'm saying this right, Kalua actually played Fred Hampton and he did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. He actually ended up winning the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Not bad. So, Not too yeah. Bad. I really did enjoy this film. And it is really interesting learning about the Black Panthers and everything. It's a good film. Hey, do you have any uh, Black History Month films to uh, talk about? Um, offhand, I mean, I was thinking about it. I, I, to be honest, I'm not too familiar with a lot of them, so I really don't have much to say on them. Um, but I do respect, you know, because a lot of the films that we're we're talking about tonight are are in support of Black History Month, and because we, you know, these are good. I, I, I haven't, I haven't. A lot of them I haven't seen, but I do know a little bit about like Selma or other stuff like that. Yeah, as well. I have. I've only so. seen parts of Selma, so. Okay. All right. Well, well, I will say from what I've seen in Selma, I like how they do make Martin Luther King more humanized. They don't really like romanticize him. Yeah. And they make him seem like, what if this marches for nothing? And I really right. do like that song, Glory, by John Legend and Common. Common. That, yeah, that's a good one. Which, which good also one. Which won an Oscar. For yeah, best original song. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, I think those are my. I think well, okay. I I do have one more actually, and I just thought of this now, and this is actually a got? very underrated film. Yeah, what is it? It's called Express. The Ernie Davis story. Sorry, as I got to pull up. Yeah, another sports film, folks. Sorry. With Chadwick Boseman or no? No, I, I forgot who's in it. Oh, I forget too. No, it, anyway, it is. Seen this movie once. It tells the story of Ernie Davis. Okay who played for Syracuse. Nice. And he was the, it, he was one of the few black players who was playing at Syracuse at the time. And he was also the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. Wow. Which is college football's biggest honor. And like before that, like there's all because they were playing a game in Texas for the national championship, and they end up winning. And if anybody knows anything about Texas at the time, yeah, you know this is when they were segregated. Yeah. And after the game, the coach comes and says, "Well, they are having a reception for us at this club, but unfortunately three members of our team, including the MVP can't go. And, and then one of them, I'd love this scene. Cause they're like, I heard Texas has good barbecue and they end <laughs> up just going to this barbecue place and having dinner just in a place where Ernie Davis and the two others are allowed. 
And it was just shown that their team is like, you know what? Let's go as a team. Screw that big fancy reception. Let's go celebrate with, with our teammates. Nice. And like I said, um, Ernie Davis was the first African-American to win a Heisman Trophy. And, and here's, here's a fun thing. They show this in the movie. After he wins the Heisman Trophy, he's because when you walk down that hall, please. So he's walking down with two folks, with two people, and they're saying, somebody wants to congratulate you. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the person is, he's, I'll tell you who it is in a second. And he goes, I just wanted, I, I just had to be here for this. Congratulations, Mr. Davis. Mr. Davis's response. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, that was President Kennedy. Wow. President Kennedy literally came to congratulate Ernie Davis. Tells you something about the, that tells you something right there. And also, um, and Ernie Davis, here's a interesting fact. His number, he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. But unfortunately, he never got to play for them. Oh, that's a shame. Because he was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, man. So he couldn't play. He did play. He was on the field at one game. And here's an interesting fact to impress your friends with. Yeah. He is the only person to have his number retired in the NFL who never played a professional game. Wow. This has been Random Facts with Bill. Random Facts with Bill. Ow! And... Oh, yeah. This has been Random Facts with Bill. And... And sadly on... um, Sadly on May 18th, 1963... At the age of 23, Ernie Davis passed away. Yeah. And the end of the movie, because in the movie, they at, some magazine asked him to write like some piece about his life story. And, you know, like at the end, he, you can hear him narrating. It goes, you know, people want to know what my life was like. You know, it's hard at 23 to tell everybody what your life story is when you haven't lived a full life. Yeah, it's true. And... And he's like just telling us, I'm so grateful for my teammates, my coaches, and everyone. And it shows him mailing that entrance to the magazine, him walking away from the mailbox. And then it shows Ernie Davis died on May 18th, 1963, at the age of 23. And yeah, it just, I, I think I wanted to bring this up because. This is someone who I think when we think about African-Americans in sports, we think about Jackie Robinson. We don't really think about Ernie Davis, like no many, not too many people really talk about him. And it's a real shame because, again, he was the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And. Yeah, I've only seen this movie once, but I do remember it. And hmm, I should watch it again sometime. It's pretty good. I should. I've never seen it, but I, I should definitely check it out. So, yeah. 
So those are my films. Sorry you had to sit here and listen to me give a doctoral thesis. <laughs> You're fine, buddy. You're fine. Um, so Bill and I, so just full disclosure, everyone. Bill and I were discussing what exactly we were going to talk about tonight as far as films and what, and what other things we wanted to talk about to celebrate Black History Month right here on the Superview Show. And one of the things that I was mentioning to Bill, or I, I forget if Bill mentioned to me or I mentioned, but whatever, the topic came up of what, what, come, what, what type of music that we should talk about. Because let's face it, a majority of music you hear on the radio is Black-influenced music. Whether you like it or not, I mean, some people side with rock and roll, some people side with hip hop. They're both from the same thing. So it doesn't really matter what you think, because in reality, the only quote unquote white music is country music. So it's a country western. That's from like, you know, people playing guitar and whatnot. But like, what I want to talk about tonight, and I want Bill gave his doctoral thesis on stuff. I want to talk about some stuff that I personally came up with tonight for us to talk about, and then Bill can chime in whenever he wants to talk about. But we're not going to go into the huge doctoral thesis side of things, but I want to just mention to a lot of people how a lot of music is based on the blues. Um, Bill, chime in whenever you're ready, but. Uh, basically, guys, for those of you who are wondering, either watching or listening to us, hear me out for a sec. I want to touch on some because, you know, we're Black History Month. It's in, I believe it's an important time, not just February, but just in general to appreciate what the what the this community of people or this type of people have brought not just to America, but to the world. I mean, we, if you go to any sort of I mean, there, there's different kinds of music everywhere. And a lot of it is, you know people of color driven music. So I want to start off talking tonight with about the blues. And these are just some suggested artists. If you want to get into these artists, by all means, go. if you're listening to us on Spotify as a podcast, just to go on your phone and take, take your notes out and listen to and list a couple of these artists that you should get into based on different genres. And now we have, I have two specific types of uh, genres. I have the blues and I have a radio, a record company, record company title called Motown and Bill's going to chime in with that in a minute. I know he will, but I want to talk about a little bit about the blues. I want to start off with a guy named Robert Johnson from 19. He was basically for those of you who don't know, full disclosure, this guy died in 1930. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but he died in 1938. He was born in 1911. He is very, very old. Why is he still relevant today? Well, because he is the founding member. He is a founding guitarist of the blues. If you want to talk about the blues, like uh, any famous guitarist at, at, at any given point in history, we'll, we'll go back in time and point to this guy, Robert Johnson, to talk about the blues and how he played. For those of you who don't know who, are, who have no idea what I'm talking about, let me just get, before I get to the actual history of it, there's a very good documentary on Netflix. You guys can check this out called Robert Johnson, the Delta King of Blues. And it goes into his backstory. It's, 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 it's actually not even an hour long. It's like 45 minutes long for the uh, the blues and whatnot. And you can check it out. So it, it gives it gives because this guy really play, introduced different playing of guitar, truthfully. And it led to different types of hundreds of thousands, of if not millions of people picked up a guitar because of him. The Rolling Stones were a big one. Eric Clapton's a big one. Uh, and I'll get to a couple others in a second, but Robert Johnson is incredible because he 
the story goes, and I'm, I don't want to spoil the documentary too much, but Bill, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but stop me when, you, when you've heard this. This is the, the rumor down in Mississippi that the blues started when Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil. Now I've heard this before. You've I, heard I, this before. Okay. So, I don't know the whole story, but I've heard this go on. Yeah. I'm, so I'm suddenly it, it, interested. <laughs> it's very fascinating to me. Because when you think about guitar and think about solos and how to play, it really all started with this guy. So basically Robert Johnson said he wanted to be a better guitar player. So he went to the crossroads, which I'll get to in a second, uh, called crossroad blues. And he wrote a song about going to the crossroads that where he sold his soul to the devil, truthfully, and this is true, back in the thirties. So you gotta think there's some mystery to it, but there's some truth to it possibly as well. He sold his soul to the devil to become a virtuoso guitar player. And within about two years, he was a virtuoso blues guitar player. And a lot of his chords, a lot of his playing is widely received as one of some of the greatest guitar playing of all time. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but, but it's like I said, the documentary on Netflix, check it out. It's really good. But he, listen, the guy, this guy, Robert Johnson, if you've never heard his blues, stuff, by the way, the Cream song, the Eric Clapton Cream, like a Cream, you know, song, Crossroads is a cover of Robert Johnson. Did you know that? I did not know that. So this has been written in Facts with JT. How about that? Sorry, it doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't have the same jingle. It's okay. But yeah, but Eric Clapton, who is a virtuoso blues guitar player, learned from Robert Johnson. He learned from him and the couple two, two, a couple of guys I'm going to mention. But this guy, Robert Johnson, if you haven't, their Spotify numbers are not high at all. But if you if I want if you have time, check out these guitar players. Uh, Robert Johnson is a pivotal one as far as like we like how music today is regardless of what you think of it his blues playing has stood the test of time i highly recommend you check out his work he only released like an, a one album or two albums then he died but his death is a little bit of a mystery still but whatever yeah and you you know what about a robert johnson jt have you ever seen the movie oh brother where art thou i have not no they actually have a character in that film who's actually based off of robert johnson oh good out really yeah, because they basically says, what are you doing? Well, I basically sold my soul to the devil. Yeah. Because that, that's the rumors that, it, well, that's the mystery saying that he sold his soul to the devil to become a virtuoso guitar player. So yeah, what, just, you think about it? What, is that, what does that slogan even mean? What? Like he sold his soul to the devil? What do you mean? Like, what does it really mean? He sold no, his like, you know, like, there's down in like the southern half of the country, and it's particular in Mississippi, he, Report has it that you know the mystery and the lore and whatnot of the blues. He did sold because he died a year or two later after that meeting. So only a couple of his recordings exist, but so many people learn from them, which is very interesting and inspiring. So that's just me. But Robert Johnson, check him out. He's a fantastic. He he was one of the greatest guitarists ever, and as far as the blues go, he, a lot of people learn from him. Another one I want to touch on is Muddy Waters. Hopefully it doesn't. Okay, it came with the actual singer, not actual, not legit Muddy Waters. Uh, Muddy Waters is a very is a. I personally I listen to him sometimes because I have a playlist on Spotify where it has like I have a jazz blues. It's a coffee house playlist I have. Muddy Waters is one of those early blues singers slash guitarists as well, and he is 
another founding member of the Electric Blues. And again, if you have not heard this guy, get on it. He is one of the, he's dead, of course. But he's one of the greatest blues guitarists of all time. Rock and roll and hip hop came out of the blues, ladies and gentlemen. They came out of a black guitar and a man. Robert Johnson and it let the Muddy Waters. It let the Lead Belly. I'll get in a second. Willie Dixon, Jimmy Reed. Go back and look read the history. Because I've done my fair share of research, and this is some of the greatest music I've ever heard. The blues. It's really fascinating to me. I love the blues a lot. But Muddy Waters, a fantastic blues artist, especially Manish Boy and a couple of songs. I'm your hoochie coochie man. These are incredible songs. Incredible blues-based electric guitar. I've heard some Eric Clapton covers of these songs. Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton loves, 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 loves the blues, uh, Bill. Because the, I mean, yes, Eric Clapton was inspired by like other artists as well, but like like Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley. But the blues really got to him. It's very interesting. So Muddy Waters, check him out as well. Uh, he is another blues singer from the, the the 30s and 40s. He's a fantastic blues singer uh, and blues guitarist as well. Another one, another one I want to touch on. Uh, I have two, three more. Lead Belly. Uh, I'll go through this kind of quick, but Lead Belly. Those you don't know, Lead Belly was an incredible guitarist back in the 30s and 40s. Yes, we're talking about older artists, but it's Black History Month. Why not celebrate the origin of a lot of your the music you listen to on your phone nowadays with the blues. Lead Belly, Bill, did, I, I, I know you're not the biggest fan of Nirvana at all, but like, did you know that when Nirvana played in New York City, they covered uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? No, I didn't know that. That's a Lead Belly song. A lot of people think that Nirvana, oh, Nirvana just wrote that. No, no. Kurt Cobain did not, he covered a Lead Belly blues song signifying to me he had a knowledge of the blues as well, which I thought was interesting. So, sure he did. I think, look, look, he led belly, you know, he had another song called cotton fields. Like the song titles were about like of the time, but the playing of the instruments still stand the test of time. So that's just something for you. Lead belly is another one. Another one I like personally. And I, I'm, cause I told you guys, if those of you don't know me, I love all kinds of music. I don't just listen to what's on hits one on XM or whatever. It's the hot stuff. I try and diversify myself. So Willie Dixon, not Willie Nelson. Willie Dixon is a brilliant. He he was a brilliant blues guitarist as well. Uh, fantastic guy. He again, these artists I'm listening here are primarily the the Delta blues, um, artists from the time back in the 40s and 50s because these these musicians carried over to white artists such as you know Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, you know, and on top of that, it led to the British invasion with a lot of British artists picking up the blues. The blues was a big, big, big changing point in American and musical history. True. Um, Willie Dixon's another one. And the last one I want to mention is Jimmy Reed. This is the Rolling Stones love Jimmy Reed. Like make you could Keith Richards and Mick Jagger have gone on record and said Jimmy Reed was one of the greatest, you know, blues guitarists we've ever heard. Like they, they like they love the Rolling Stones. You have to understand, they love the blues. They're the blues-based rock band, and I can't get enough. They of actually band. started off as a blues cover band. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
that is correct. And because people forget how even early, early, early Chuck, early Chuck Berry from like Chuck Berry got a lot of his stuff from these artists, truthfully. Uh, he electrified it and turned it into rock and roll, which was you know something new at the time. But Jimmy Reed, what a guy. Um, fantastic blues players. So that's a little bit of stuff for the blues. If you're not familiar with the blues, there's five artists you can get on and check out now. Because they're, I think that these are great. The blues is a fantastic genre to get into. A lot of good stuff overall. Highly recommend you check out these guys. Bill. Yes. Are you ready for some Motown music? You're damn right I am. And just letting you guys know, I already did this ahead of time, but in the description of this video, so so if you're listening to us on Spotify, if you go to our YouTube channel and you go on this video link, in the description of this video is our two links of some of two interviews by a YouTube channel I really like called Raised on Radio. Raised on Radio is a, is a British YouTube channel that broadcasts interviews from different artists of all genres of music uh, from the UK, truthfully. And it's, it's not all contemporary. Like, it's a lot of older artists, like some, other, some up-and-coming bands and stuff. It's really cool. But one of the things they had was that an hour-long interview with people who knew Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy, again, a, this is Black History Month. We're going to talk about it. Barry Gordy is the founder of Motown Music. He's just got inducted into the Kenny Sanders this year. Do you know that he got inducted into the Kennedy Center Honors this year? You know that, right? Oh, he did. Yeah, this guy. For those of you who don't know who Barry Gordy is, do yourself a favor and research this guy. He is the founder of Motown. So when you hear like, "Oh, Motown," this or Motown, this is the guy who founded the guy one of the genius, one of the greatest greatest music labels ever. And fortunately, he sold in like the mid '80s. But he is he was a pioneer of the record company business. And this guy did so much incredible work. He, he's still, he's like 90, I think now. I forget, but yeah, he's still he, kicking. He signed the Four Tops. He signed the Supremes, Marvin Gaye. The uh, Temptations. Temptations. I think he signed Cool and the Gang as well. Like We're talking about that era of music, ladies and gentlemen. And he is fantastic. He, he listen, his goal was to create black music that would appeal to a white world. What in reality he did was he made the best black music ever. In my humble opinion, he definitely did that. He definitely created music that appeals to not just people that are black or white. He made music that appeals to everyone. And he did that with the four tops, the temptations, the Supremes, James Brown and his famous flames, Sam Cooke, Marvin Gaye. Come on. All of them. Sam and Dave. Hold on. I'm coming. Come on. This is great stuff. So if you're not familiar with Barry Gordy, there's an interview from in the description of the video below. You guys check that out. Number one. Number two, and we'll get to, I'll, I'll start off with this artist, Marvin Gaye. Oh, nice. We're going to start off with Marvin Gaye. One of the best voices of all time. Marvin Gaye. No, not the third. All right. Google screwed that up. Marvin Gaye. He was a rule breaker. I will give him that because there's been there's he's he at first I loved him so much in the early uh, in the '60s when he did he did ain't a mountain high enough. He was singing how sweet it is to be loved by you. He was singing a bunch of like Motown pop hits for the most part. 
you know, and whatnot. He a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant artist. But however, he changed in 1973, and this is very relevant to today, especially for Black History Month. For those of you who are wondering, Marvin Gaye wrote a song called "What's Going On." Oh, one of my favorite songs, by the way. It, I love it too. It's a fantastic song. Marvin Gaye wrote a song called "What's Going On," and the album. The album is fantastic. If you have not heard this record, stop listening to us right now and get on this now. This will be on YouTube later. Go listen to Marvin Gaye. Yes. Um, Marvin Gaye is brilliant. He's is he was he's unfortunately he was assassinated and shot in the 80s which was he left us way 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 by his own father too i know so that's scary that is a horrifying story that's a horrifying scary thought but the guy the guy pioneered so much the fact look the story the story goes that when marvin gay was putting out what's going on in 1973 he made this record at the time motown was not political Motown was not at all because uh, the Vietnam War was going on. There was a lot of stuff happening in the United States. And Marvin Gaye, truthfully, uh, made a protest record. That's what this run is. It's a, it's a, it's a, he turned, ripping off the image here, he turned worry into faith. Marvin Gaye's What's Going On is a pivotal album in American history. Truthfully, 1973. So this, the old story goes that Marvin says to you know, Barry Gordy says, if, if we're going to put out what's going on, here's the thing. They make a deal. They say, um, and they, they, I was watching this documentary about this once. It's really interesting how they said how we're going to put out what's going on. If Marvin, this is Barry saying to Marvin, if, if Marvin's like, Marvin, if, like, if you're right, I'll learn something. And if you're, and if I'm right, you'll learn something. And as Barry Gordy will say to this day, I learned something about that record. This record is a pioneering, like seminal album in the world of talking about people of color, about race, about injustice in the world. And it's without getting political. We're not getting political on this show. But I want to say this about that song now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Really quick. You know what I call that song? What? The official anthem of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that was when what was happening with COVID and all the racial injustice. I literally just remember. I remember just playing that song and that song is still relevant today as it was 40 something years ago. I mean, it, it, more than 40, maybe 45 or 50. Truth no, next year, that song's going to be 50 years old. That's frightening. Like that, that, that song is still relevant today as it was almost 50 years ago. I agree, buddy. I agree. So, anyways, Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On." Check it out. Yeah, because the first line of the song, "Mother, Mother, there are far many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far many of you dying." Yeah. So it's oh, I don't want to get too into it, but Marvin Gaye was a pioneer. If you haven't learned, listen to Marvin Gaye. Get on it. I mean, "Let's Get It On" is a great song too. Let's get it on. We all know what that's about. Tried, baby. Well, because you know, folks, Valentine's Day is coming up. That's a special song you could play for for your for for all you for all the ladies out there. For for all you happy couples out there, just put on. Let, let's get it on and see what happens. Let's get it on. 
<laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Marvin Gaye, fantastic, all-time great singer, composer, writer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fantastic guy. Next one on my list that I want to touch on, and we'll get into all of them now, but we're, we're going to go through the time a little bit. And I saw them. I saw this group live. I saw them in another group when I mentioned in a second, but The Temptations. Oh. I saw them live last year in November of 2021. I saw The Temptations with the four tops. We'll get to them in a second. The Temptations are still performing today with one original member left. It's amazing. Like this, I have to tell you, this group was, was brilliant. It's still they still are brilliant to this day. My girl, oh my god, what a song! Oh, like, it's a great song. But you know how many streams it has on Spotify? How many? Half a billion. No. Yes, go check. But Bill's gonna fact check that for a sec. But I, I, I know I'm right. He's gonna look on Spotify and say, "Oh my god," like. Kid you not, my girl has nearly 500 million streams on Spotify. It's insane. And that shows you how this music has lasted so much, so long and so much time. But the Temptations, I did see them live and they put on a show, man. They, they are incredible, incredible performers. Otis Williams is, a, he turned 80 on Halloween last year. The dude is an awesome performer. I, I was floored by their performance. And their music is timeless, timeless. Even after they're dead, their music's going to live on because it's the power of Motown's music. And they were a pioneering group, a pioneering special place. And I, I can't have sense that this, this music that we're talking about tonight of the Temptations, or I'm going to get the four tops in one second, are brilliant, 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 brilliant songs and artists. Songs that you've never even heard of are just fan. They're all great. They're all great songs because they're produced. And they were made incredibly well. So, Bill, do you have anything to talk about that on the Temptations? A legendary group. Um, my favorite Temptations songs. I really do like My Girl, but I'm gonna have to say my favorite one is "Ain't Too Proud to Beg." Of course, "Ain't Too Proud to Beg," sweet darling. Please don't leave me, girl. Don't you go. And, oh yeah. And um. Yeah, but no, like they are a all of Temptations, the Four Tops. They really made music, and they really did the legendary. But you know what the shame about all these Motown artists is? What? Something terrible happened. They well, got white people to cover their music. Unfortunately, that's the unfortunate reality. because they wanted to make the the songs more more. They wanted to make them more friendly for wider audiences like have you okay. ever heard the um you, okay you know the the little richard song tutti frutti tutti frutti yeah i know what it's about though yeah tutti frutti. have you ever heard the pat boone version of that song no i haven't tutti frutti oh ruby tutti frutti so this is what happens folks white people come and ruin it yes it's they unfortunate white yeah and but but no like but you know what i just want to say in general um wait so there's only one original member left otis williams the founding member is the only one left because the 
the rest of them are deceased, right? Yeah. The actual other original members, they're all passed away. Uh, but I saw Otis. He killed it. How old is I, he? He's 80. He's 80 years old. And he still got it? He has still got those moves, man. Oof. That's nothing to do. Like, I saw them live with the four tops. Which I, we're going to do one second. The four tops and the temptations did a tour together. I couldn't believe what I was watching. What? And also, this just shows you how music is universal and diverse. There was such a diverse crowd there at this show. I was about to ask, were you the youngest one there? I, I was actually one of the youngest. There was, a, there was a couple my age in front of me. I was like, all right, good for you guys. But I, I was like the second youngest person there. I mean, I, I, like a lot of the, the age is very like from 40 to 70. But it was really a lot of uh, such an underrated show. If you have not seen the temptation of the four tops and they are coming near you, go see them. They, they're still touring. There's still a couple of original members left. They're that good life. They're that good life. Otis Williams doesn't look 80, but he is 80. It's crazy. And he still rocks and rolls, huh? He still swings and it's crazy. And they did the dance. Go, go look at live footage of them on YouTube. They're so good. All right. The four tops. Sugar pie, honey bunch. Come on. Let's go, man. You know that I love you. I can't help myself. Bruh. This group is another one of those legendary Motown groups. And I saw them live as well. Like with the Temptations. It was a co-headlining. They killed it. They, their original member is 85. Their original lead, one of their lead singers is 85 years old. Yes, I have old taste, but that's okay. The guy, uh, Levi Stubbs is dead, unfortunately. But this group was incredible live. I was floored by how incredible these two groups were. I was thoroughly over the moon impressed. And their music is timeless. If you put on Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, sugar pie honey bunch I can't help myself. You're going to dance. You're going to dance. You're going to have a good time. It's just incredible music. Incredible, timeless music. Not cheesy. It's really good music. It's just timeless. Bill, you got any comments for the Four Tops? Really yeah, my favorite like Four Tops song is, I'm going to have to say, it's Baby, I Need You Loving. You. Baby, you I need you loving. Oh, yeah. I have all your loving. I, I, I'm a big fan of that one. Obviously, Sugar by Honey Bunch. Another one I like is I'll Be There. Reach out. I'll be there. Be there. Have you ever seen this from the... Um, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit if you want. But um, yeah, because there's another thing in this program I just thought of. Um, in 1983, when they did the Motown 25th anniversary special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did a... They had both the Four Tops and the Temptations on stage together, and they oh, yeah. and they just went back and forth. I don't know if you ever saw that. I have not. I don't think I have. Because I know when people think of Motown Twenty Five, they think of a certain moment. And I'm sorry to take over, JT, but we'll get to that in a bit. No worries. So we talked about Marvin Gaye, the Four Tops, Temptations. Now this this group this in a, an all women group, the Supremes. This group was incredible at the time. Like Diana Ross, Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, 
these 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 three women again in the 60s black women empowering the music industry you know how many they had tons of hits can't hurry love stop in the name of love come on this group is goat status as far as i'm concerned i agree like what more can you say about this incredible group of three women who had the most incredible voices who had just timeless music and and, and the one thing that pissed me off of this because they'd be like i i'd be watching documentaries at one point or another and some people are like oh my god women can write songs no 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 shit people no can write shit songs. sherlock no shit all right like women these if you look at on if you look at when these the, the the music sheet music for you can't hurry love or uh, uh, um, stop in the name of love. These are baby love. These are songs written by women, black women. Sick and tired of people critiquing stuff like this. Like literally, you can do, listen. I'm gonna just, just say this full disclosure. If you're out there listening to us, you can do whatever you want. We, we, you have full reign. You're a powerful person. Do whatever you want. Don't let anyone put you down. That's my two cents for the day. But the Supremes. An incredible, incredible sounding group. Absolutely. Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and the, the, the three of these women are fantastic. Timeless, 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 timeless music. Like when the moment you hear it, you start dancing. Phil Collins covered You Can't Hear You Love. Come yeah. on. So that's another one for you. Um, I got a couple more that I want to touch on. And Bill, Bill's going to chime in on a couple of them too. But uh, James Brown and the Famous Flames. Do you feel good? I feel good. Good as I should. This one. You want to talk about one of the greatest performers of all time? You want to talk about one of the greatest all-time GOAT performers in the music industry? You want to talk about incredible, incredible, incredible songs and just fun, incredible lyrics and songs? James Brown of the Famous Flames. Like his songs were so entertaining. The studio cuts are incredible. The studios, the studio cuts of these songs are incredible. You can turn, put them on right now on LP or on your TV or whatever, Spotify, and listen to I Feel Good. You start dancing. Incredible. It's incredible stuff. So, like, please, please, it's gospel music. It's this is when music was incredible. At its peak, in my opinion, like but James Brown, an incredible, incredible artist. If and there were people who saw him, I mean, he was obviously doing "Living in America" for Rocky Four. We can't forget that. You know what my favorite James Brown song is? What's your favorite one? Get up off of that thing! Oh Get yeah, better. Get up off of that thing! Get up off of that thing! Because oh. you know where I remember it from? It was actually from a. Very um forgotten animated movie called Robots. I remember Robots. And when one of the characters is playing like this trumpet thing and David Spade's character is like, well, there goes our happy ending. And then Robin Williams' character is like, no, man, it's a fusion of fat jazz and funk. It's called junk. And then do, do, do. Get up off of that thing. Do the make feel better. It's incredible. He and look, 
for the, you see, he, get up off of that thing. <laughs> there, there's footage of him on YouTube. You can check him out. He was a true performer. He, he actually he, he gave Mick Jagger a lot of his moves. And I've, I heard stories that he had the tightest band, the tight like as far as like the most locked in band. He had one of the tightest bands on the planet, apparently, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I want to. I, I, did we touch on? No, we didn't. Uh, all right, I want to talk about. I want Bill to take over this one for a second. But Sam Cook. Okay, before I uh, begin on Sam Cook. Yeah. I want to dedicate this to someone. Um, and this is to our very dear friend, Matt Hensley. Matt Hensley, shout out to you. Good. Because yeah. this this is one of his favorite artists. He told me. So Matt, buddy, this one's for you. Um, Sam Cook. His music is absolutely just timeless. Um, you know, he's got the songs that you want to get up in, that you want to get up and dance to, like Twist in the Night Away. Oh, so good. Twist in, twist in, everybody's feeling great. They're twisting, twisting, twisting the night away. Um... You twisting the night away, JT? Probably in a little while. It's getting late. <laughs> twisting the night away. That is a really good song. And also, the um, there's a song. It's called Another Saturday Night. Another Saturday Night, and I ain't got nobody. The Cat Stevens cover of that song is actually pretty good, by the way. Um, oh, really? But it is a, but Sam Cooke's songs are just absolutely timeless. Um, and um, and God, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank here, buddy. Um, no worries. Yeah. Um, song "Wonderful World," N- not to be confused with Louis Armstrong's "What a Wonderful World." Not to be confused with that. Nope. Uh, don't know much about history. That one. Yeah, I know which one. Yeah. And also this song really, this is a song that really that really makes you think it's called A Change Is Gonna Come. Yep. That's a good one. And the song, I know it has some sort of inspiration. Hold on. I need to fact check this. Fact check with Bill. Fact check with Bill, folks. Here we go. The, the song was actually inspired by a lot of his events. And it was most prominently when he and his entourage were turned away from a whites-only motel in Louisiana. And he felt compelled to write a song that spoke to his struggle and those around him. And it became a... And this song is, and you know what song it was inspired, what inspired it? What song? Blown in the Wind by Bob Dylan. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Like this, yeah, this was a, and this became a really, and this became a really popular, like I said, this became an anthem during the civil rights movement. I could see why. And and 
one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite lines in the song going, it's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die because I don't know what awaits for me beyond the sky. Going, it's been a long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. And just that is just absolute. I think that really just sums up everything with the civil rights movement and everything. I agree. Absolutely. It's absolutely fantastic. I told, and again, that's for you, Hemsley. That was for you, buddy. Shout out to Mr. Matt Hemsley. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, uh, I got a couple more I want to touch on. Some of them actually, because a lot of these 70s artists uh, really went into like the, the, the disco era too. And I want to touch on just two groups in particular as well. Uh, cool and the gang. And when you're done, I actually have a group slash artist that I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. But yeah, so um, cool and the gang. One of the greatest funk bands, like disco funk bands, Ever. True story. Before we even started our stream tonight, before we started our broadcast, um, kid you not, we were listening. I was listening to Cool in the Game before we started our broadcast tonight, just to kind of get ready for it tonight. I got to tell you, this music holds up so well. Like everything, from, everyone knows them for celebration, like celebrate good times. Come on, let's celebrate. Anyways, don't sue us, but like, don't. That's a great song. It was their number one hit. They have Ladies Night. They have Jungle Boogie. I love Jungle Jungle Boogie. Jungle Boogie. Hollywood Swinging. They were really, they made incredible records back in the late 70s and the 80s. I love them. And you uh, know what my favorite one is? Which one? Get down on it. Oh, I was going to say that Get one. Get down yeah. on it. How do you know when you really won't have the chance by standing on the wall? Get your back up on the wall. Oh, it's so good. No, it's great music. You're dancing, yeah. You know it. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jay, um, yeah. Get your back up off the wall. Ow. <laughs> All right. What was the group you want to mention? Okay. It was a group. It started in the 60s and 70s, and then it evolved into the great one of the greatest. You know what? We'll get to that part in a second. But the Jackson Five. We didn't even, you I know didn't where even. I'm going to go with this. Yes, go ahead. The Jackson Five, go ahead. The Jackson Five, Tito, Jermaine, Jackie, Marlon, and of course, Michael. Michael. The, the song. They started at when they first auditioned for Motown. Barry Gordy did not want them, to, did not want to hear them. Wow. Because I don't want any more kid acts. Well, come on, just give them a listen. Oh, okay, fine. He listened. He's like, here's the pen, sign. And like, how many of the, we all know their songs. Yeah. We all know I'll be there. Oh, yeah. We know ABC. And I want you back. I want you back. That is a great song. But um, the Jackson Five. Don't worry, we're getting to him in a second, I promise. <laughs> um, but the Jackson Five, their music was absolutely, it, it's just really fun to listen to. 
and it just really makes you want to get up and dance. And, you know, there was a lot of friction in the group sponsored by their father, Joe Jackson. I hate to speak ill of the dead, but I heard he was kind of a, I heard he was kind of an asshole. Um, yeah, like there was actually a thing that, um, yeah, like, did you know um, Jermaine Jackson actually married Barry, Gordy, Barry Gordy's daughter? I didn't know that. That's crazy. This has been another rendition of, of Random Facts with Bill. Random Facts with Bill. But, um, yeah, they went on from, from 1960s to 1980 to 1970-something. And then came, you know, we got to talk about him. We have to. Da, 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 da. The king of pop, Michael Jackson. Now, listen, before I go on, I just want to say, put all the weird shit aside, all the weird things in his personal life, and the Find in Neverland documentary. Listen, yeah. It has its, listen, he did some shit that he really shouldn't have done. But you know what? As an artist, he was the freaking king of pop. And and um, Thriller is the best-selling album of all time. Yep. And with... Thriller, which we see every holiday. Thriller! Yeah. Every holiday. Every Halloween. Beat It, which is probably one of my one of my two favorite Michael Jackson songs. We'll get to the other one in a second. Um, with a guitar solo by the late, great Eddie Van Halen. Eddie, we miss you. Yes. Um... And what else? Um, you know, and also I brought up Motown's 25th anniversary. I got to bring this up. Um, the moment that took everyone by storm. First, they wanted the Jacksons to reunite. Right. On stage. And Michael first said, no, I'll just sit in the audience. He goes, come on. No, I want you all back. Said, okay, Mr. Gordy, on one condition. You give me a solo slot. Okay, done. And then came the minutes that everybody just dropped their jaws. The moment he did the moonwalk. The moonwalk. During Billie Jean. Iconic. Mm -hmm. That is like one of the most iconic moments in music history. Oh, yeah. That is one of the most iconic moments in music history. And when he did that, everybody was just like. And yeah. And then moving on past Thriller, his album, Bad. And that which comes to my other favorite Michael Jackson song on there. Bad? Well, no. Oh. But I got to tell you this. JT, who's bad? <laughs> well, I mean, smooth criminal. 
Oh, yeah. It's a good, I, 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 for some reason, I thought you were going to say Man in the Mirror, but that's me. No, no, no. I really like that one, too. That's in my top five. Man in the Mirror is a really good one. And yeah. you know, that part I really love in the song, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change. And no message. If you want to make the world be a better place, and no message can be clear. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Oh, yeah. And But Smooth Criminal, that music video is freaking amazing. Ow! And, and also, yeah, again, back to Thriller for one second. Um, everyone talks about Thriller and Billie Jean. You know what song I really think is really underappreciated on that album? The Girl Is Mine. Well, that. Um, I tried. It's a song called. It's a song called "Human Nature." I knew you were going to say that. I don't know. I don't know why. I just knew you think that. I I heard it the other day in Sirius XM eighties on it. It's like that's a really good song. Why? Why? Tell them that it's human nature. I think that song is very overlooked off that album. I agree. And also the opening track is want to be starting something too. So. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, um, thriller bad. And, and, uh, dangerous in the nineties, he kind of tapered off. And then yeah. we all know what happens after that. The, the allegations, the trial, he fades into obscurity and then he makes a tries to make a comeback. And we all know what happens on June 25th, 2009. Yes. I'm never going to forget where I was that day. I'm never going to forget where I was. Where were you, Bill? I was actually in my house. And I was in my house. And my mom goes, and my mom is like, did you hear Michael Jackson die or something? They're saying that, he, that he's in a coma. And I remember I ran downstairs to, to the TV and I'm like, oh shit. And when he died, I just like, wow. And, and, you know, and then quoted, um, and this is a quote that, um, you know, when I was talking about human nature, like two things I remember, um, at Michael Jackson's memorial service, John Mayer actually did an instrumental guitar cover of Human Nature. I didn't know that. And it was absolutely amazing. Wow. And also, anyone agree or disagree, and this was given a Barry Gordy's eulogy for Michael Jackson at his memorial service. Mike Barry Gordy said, and I quote, the king of pop was not a big enough title for him. The title that was fit for him was the greatest entertainer ever. Yeah. Agree or disagree? I agree. So big shoes, but yes. And that is a very bold statement, Mr. Gordy, but yeah. Yeah. Michael, like, listen, feel, say what you want about all the shit in his personal life. Not, I do not condone this. And listen, you can. And, you know, not that I'm defending what he did. If you ever watch, um, fu- 
return to Neverland or escape in Neverland, whatever it's called. No, because did you know, like, for a while, they removed a lot of radio stations after that whole documentary. They stopped playing his music for a while. I think so, yeah. And also, there was a Simpsons episode where Michael Jackson guest starred. Oh, really? But after that documentary came out, they took that episode out of syndication. Wow. That's crazy. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, so say what you want about him, but he is no doubt probably in the top 10, if not the top five of greatest entertainers of all time. I agree. And I, and, and I will fight anyone who debates me on that. All right. All right, moving on. I have two more picks if you want. Let's hear them. Let's talk about Prince. Ooh, good one. I mean, can we talk about like one of the greatest guitar players of all time too? Yep. With Prince. Like people, actually, I feel like people overlook him quite a bit. Like, no, I would not say he's underrated per se, because I mean, his music is still played on the radio, like Wind Doves Cry, 1999, whatever. What a guy, though. To, like, he was such a quiet individual in the private life, but he was such a brilliant musician. Brilliant musician. Like, if you actually go back and study a lot of his work, even the Batman soundtrack, I mean, we can't forget that. But like the guy, Running man, part of man. Yeah, I, I, something. I, it's, it's, it's really sad. But I actually got into him after he died. Really, I, 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 I didn't really. Well, I wasn't too familiar with his work until after he died, which is very unfortunate. But, um, I, I, personally, the dude was nuts. On guitar, he was one of the greatest guitarists ever. Like, there's a video. If you can find this video online, it's great. It's a video of him playing with Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty. Uh, it's when George Harrison got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think in 2002, three, I forget. But Prince played the guitar solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And he ripped it apart. Oh, my God. There's That one video is incredible of him just doing that solo. He is, he was, look, you want to talk about when musical geniuses, Prince was a musical genius. And his funk soul pop music, or like, it was incredible. I really, I also heard, and this is true, you can look this up, you can look this up online, guys. Rolling Stone magazine in 2012, so 10 years ago, they made a list of the greatest, the 50 best live acts to go see right now. Back in 2012. So, what was number one, Bill? What was what? 2012, 10 years ago, Rolling Stone magazine releases an, an article saying that these are the top 50 acts to go see right now. And Prince was number one. Prince was number two. Oh, who's number one? Springsteen was number one. Bet you're happy about that. I, I, I was, I, I agree with that. But I can't, I can never saw Prince, so I can't testify. But the list went like the top three or four went like this. It was Bruce Springsteen and the Street Band, Prince, the Rolling Stones, and I believe the next one was like Jay Z. Hmm. I, I I don't know. I just I, I thought that was very interesting. like this 2012, but they, Prince was number two. 
on that list. And I was like, I, 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 I knew someone. I, I worked at a, I worked at it somewhere for a while, and I, I met a guy there who saw Prince because he's a big music, he's a big music, music guy as well. He said he loved Prince, and he saw him live before he died, like on the tour, his last tour, and he was talking about how like he was like, man, Prince was. Just he, he said for a long time, he said, Kiss was the greatest show I've ever seen, but Prince blew that out of the water. I was like, Really? I never saw Prince though, so I can't really say, no, I now I can't. But, um, what can you say though? He was a pioneer of the guitar, of art, of music. Purple Rain is an incredible soundtrack. Purple Rain, Purple Rain, yeah. And like, and his Super Bowl halftime show was yep. amazing. You know, the guy, a true legend, and he'll be missed. You know, uh, what? I, feel like, I feel like a lot of people get like on Spotify. His numbers are lower than I thought they would be, which is unfortunate. So we're going to say, Bill, my favorite Prince song is Dearly Beloved. We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Mm-mm-mm. Let's go crazy. Yeah. Get nuts. Yeah. It's such a great. He had so many great songs. People forget how incredible he was as an artist, and he's forever missed, truthfully. So, um, anyways, I got one more to talk about. Do, do you have any more to talk about or no? Um, I think it might be good, but um, do yours. I'll see if I can think of another one. We're going to go back to the 70s for a sec. Ready? Ooh, 70s. Earth. Ooh, wind, nice. And fire. Earth, wind, and fire, man. Earth, wind, and fire. Can I just get a hell yeah for Earth, wind, and fire for a second? Hell yeah! I gotta ask you something. Yes. Do you remember the 21st of September? That song is awesome. Ow! Oh, so good. Earth, wind, and fire, Bill. One of the greatest soul bands ever. And obviously, we cannot forget September. I mean, September is like everyone knows like the body Bonia in that part. But like, it, that's just an incredible song. I, I love, personally, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I, I want to see them later this year. They're touring, too. Nice. We might have to go. You and me. We'll go. We'll go see Earth, Wind, and Fire together. I think we should. We should. We gotta go party on. Party on. We'll we'll, we'll see them and uh, we'll have a body up uh, body uh, moment. That'd be awesome. So bells will be ringing. A lot of people only know them for for September, but there's Let's Groove. There's uh, what's that? I can think of. Um, Boogie Wonderland. There's uh, After the Love Has Gone. These are all great songs by an incredible band. Oh, agreed. But so, you know the song everybody thinks of. Which one? It's September. Oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone knows them for September, but let's be real. They are an incredible band with like After the Love Is Gone is another great one. Oh, my God. They, uh, what's that? Like, like a song, Fantasy. Those are great songs, man. But they, they're, they're one of the best groups ever, in my opinion. Um, there's one more bill I want to talk about, and then I think we can wrap it up for the night. I don't know if it's the same one I was thinking because you went to Motown and you forgot someone. 
I think we're. I think I know where this is going. Did we? I think we did. Are you thinking who I'm thinking of? Type it in. Type it in. Let's see if I was thinking about. May I say it? Yes. We swiped right. We swiped right. We swiped on the last right. Kick of the night. We swiped right. It took all night to do it. But Smokey we swiped Robinson. right. Oh my! It only took like two hours. Hey, it's only been an hour and forty-one minutes. Only. <laughs> Smokey Robinson. Holy crap! What a guy. Bill, go on. You go first. No, I just, he is an absolute legend. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Yes, I agree. My favorite song by him is called Who's Loving You. That's a going. But I will be honest with you. I kind of like the Jackson 5 cover a little better. That's fine. Hey, it's that's good. my opinion. I'm entitled to it. It's all good. Uh, I like tracks of my tears. I was well. like, ooh, baby. Tears of a Clown. Tears of a Clown is another one. He's got so many great songs. My God. He really does. He is an absolute legend. I mean, him and the miracles were incredible. I mean, we can't really forget them. So, And um, it's actually funny when you brought up, um, when we brought up um, Who's Loving You. I remember he said at Michael Jackson's memorial service, he said, you know, a lot of people think, hey, good cover of that Michael Jackson song. I wrote it. But um, yeah, he is, you know, hmm, I don't think I know many too many Smokey Robinson the Miracle songs, but Shop Around, I think that was him. Shop. My mama told me you better shop around. Yeah. Or there's another one called Cruising. How's that go? I forget. I don't know. I, I, remember, I remember that one. Yeah. It was like so, 80s Smokey. <laughs> yeah, not 60s, 70s Smokey. No, nah, unfortunately. He was great, too. One of the greats. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's just one thing, and I don't really know much about this topic, but I will say this, and I think we have to talk about this. What? Modern-day rap and hip-hop. We'll make it, I'll make this very quick, because I don't really know much about it. Yeah, what but do you got? know what? I am going to say this just in, in general. If we didn't have the blues we wouldn't have Motown. If it wasn't for Motown, we wouldn't have R&B and we wouldn't have rap or hip hop. I agree. And listen, I am not a big rap guy. Um, I am curious to see the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Yep. With Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem. I'm actually really curious to see that. Yeah, it should be interesting. And I, I do know the group. Have you ever heard of NWA? Yeah, I've heard of them. Like, if you've ever seen the movie Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. I've only seen parts of it. But, you know, they had a song called F the Police. Yep. And they, they told them, you play that in public, you will be arrested. And they said, you're not screw you guys, and they played it. This is, yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm not going into specifics, folks. I really don't know much about rap or hip-hop, so. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, do you think maybe we could go to the uh, chat board? Yeah, well, sure, if you want to go there. Okay, I just want to say, folks, we're not ignoring you, we promise. Yeah, we've been saving you guys for the end. 
Because you know what they say, save the best. For last. Yeah. Um, okay. Joe Wiley! Joe Wiley, greetings. You know the usual happy groundhog. Oh, yeah, by the way, everybody, happy groundhog day. Oh, I completely forgot to mention that too. Happy Groundhog Day, number one, and happy 2 Today is February 2nd, 2022. You know the usual Beaver Day. I like the new format, the way we can chat before the show starts. Well, thank you. Save all questions and comments to the end. Yep, we will now take questions. Any questions, comments, concerns? Great. Go ahead. Yeah, not looking forward to dealing with more snow. Dude, neither are we. I hate snow. I really do. Um, you know what? The snow meter stuff is coming again. I'm calling. I'm calling that we have another Super Bowl storm. Another news. Did you know March Madness? Yes, starts on St. Patty's Day. Yeah, and I, I forgot about that. And you know what? And a few quick other things. Shout out to the one, the only. You know him. You love him. Oh my God. Hello, Matt. Hopefully all is well. Yeah. And yes, we've in the film was Liz and Spider-Man. Yeah, I did not know that. One of the yes. best films of the two. Yes, Black Landsman is very good. Okay. Um oh yeah, I forgot about Chang Gang. I forgot about Chang Gang. I'm sorry. Ah, we all swipe right. Okay. So um Oh, we all swiped right on Smokey Robinson. Looks like it's a threesome. <laughs> oh my God, Bill. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Um. Anyway, you're good. You're good uh, anything else? I think that's it, my friend. Well, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. All right, so JT. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching, listening, however you streamed us tonight. Or, uh, I hope you enjoyed yourselves tonight. And thank you so much for participating as well. You guys are outstanding. We love what you guys do with us. But also, it's what you have to say. Jump down in the comment section below. Share this video. Share this podcast. However you enjoyed us tonight. Hopefully, you guys can do well. And we'll talk to you guys soon. I want to thank the good man, Bill Murphy, who's always for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much, my friend. Of course, my and friend. Plus- yeah. Don't forget to check out the Sports Insanity podcast. And this Monday, we are doing our 100th episode. Hell yeah. They We're are. in triple digits now, boy. World, whatever. We're doing great. And also, keep, just keep an eye around. We're going to be doing, not this Sunday, next Sunday. We're going to be doing our Super Bowl show. So please just check, it, check us out. Yeah. Then I have to tell you, did they do... I've, I've gone on record before. I've, the Sports Insanity Network, they do incredible stuff over there regarding all things sports. Tune in every they're, they're, you guys every day or what? Um, well, we put out new episodes, usually like Thursday or Friday. Um, so tune in tomorrow to them. They're great. Yeah. Um, your YouTube show, um, we, we, we might do our Sunday show this week. Just This is like that weird week between conference championship week and Super Bowl week. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, anyway, guess that's our show for the evening. 
Yep. Thank you so much for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Big Spig.